A new article published on thebmj.com asks, should adults take vitamin D supplements to prevent disease? I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor for the BMJ, and I'm joined by one of the authors of that paper, Andrew Gray, who's an endocrinologist and associate professor of medicine at the University of Auckland. Andrew, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, no worries. Um, so why is this of concern? Uh, what is the disease that uh, a lack of vitamin D could be associated with? Um, so uh, vitamin D deficiency uh, is uh, cause or causes um, a, a clear uh, bone and muscle syndrome. It's called osteomalacia um, due to impaired uh, deposition of mineral in bone. Um, that's because vitamin D is critically important for absorption of calcium and phosphate from the intestine. Um, and so very low levels of vitamin D uh, cause low levels of each of those um, uh, components of bone mineral and thereby uh, uh, osteomalacia. And is uh, is that skeletal outcome the only one that uh, that it's associated with? Because I think we've probably all seen the headlines about uh, uh, vitamin D being blamed for for a whole range of things. Right. So it's the it's the um, clear phenotype, if you like, or, or clinical manifestation of vitamin D deficiency. And then, um, as a as um, uh, time has gone on, there's been, an, as you say, a number of associations made between lower levels of vitamin D, um, not very low levels of vitamin D, but lower levels of vitamin D and a, a whole range of um, both bone and muscle and uh, non-bone and muscle um, related conditions. And some of those are listed in the paper, but there's a vast number of them. Now, You've written an uncertainties article, which is all about looking at the evidence for these. So um, what evidence is available for, if we start with the musculoskeletal outcomes, what's available for that? Okay, so I think we know from um, clinical observation that osteomalacia caused by vitamin D deficiency is uh, reversible with appropriate supplementation. I don't think there's any argument about that. Um, and then uh, the the bigger issue, if you like, in musculoskeletal disease has been to, does supplementation <clears throat> of individuals that, with less marked reductions in vitamin D um, affect or improve um, uh, fracture rates and um, falls. And there have been a number of <clears throat> large and quite long randomized trials performed over the years, and when one pulls them together and meta-analyses, um, uh, the evidence suggests that uh, vitamin D supplementation does not um, improve either of those outcomes. So vitamin D isn't always given by itself, it's also uh, given in association with calcium. Um, is there any, uh, how does that change the, the, the balance there? So again, there have been a number of clinical trials, I think uh, approaching nine or ten large trials of vitamin D and calcium supplementation given together. And the answer to that seems to depend on um, the population studied. So there are two clinical trials performed in uh, elderly institutionalized frail women in France, which clearly show benefits 
benefits in terms of fracture risk reduction uh, from calcium and vitamin D supplementation. So for that population, uh, there's good evidence of efficacy um, in the community. The studies con conducted in community dwelling adults, however, so um, those who are not in institutions, um, uh, the studies are. Uh, uh, have neutral outcomes, so there's no benefit. So uh, there's a bit of nuance there that um, it's, uh, it depends on to whom you're um, applying the intervention. That's interesting. Is that to do with um, adherence or something like that? I think the answer probably lies in the fact that in the in the old in, in the institutionalised elderly populations that were studied, they were sunlight deprived and. Right. Uh, started with very low vitamin D levels. So actually, quite possibly some of those individuals um, had underlying osteomalation. Underlying osteomalation. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's the clear difference. Um, whereas individuals in the community, because they're getting sunlight exposure, which is how we make our vitamin D normally, um, they have enough vitamin D so that adding more doesn't, um, so they don't have the bone phenotype and adding more back doesn't um, therefore improve those outcomes. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um, now, uh, how about, you know, non-skeletal outcomes, cancer, anything like that? Is there any uh, good evidence about um, the effect of supplementation on those? Um, so those, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a, a very big number of other conditions associated with that have been associated in observational studies, hypothesis generating studies, if you like, um, uh, uh, with low vitamin D status. Um, there are some clinical trial data uh, that speak to some of those uh, very important outcomes like cancer and heart disease, diabetes. Um, those have those outcomes have been measured in a number of clinical trials, usually a secondary endpoint, so they weren't the primary focus of the uh, research in question. Again, when you collect all that information together in the meta-analysis as it has been done, um, uh, there is firstly quite a lot of uh, evidence, and secondly, um, the evidence suggests that there are not big effects on any of those outcomes from vitamin D supplementation. By big effects, I mean more than a 10 to 15% relative risk reduction in those outcomes. Okay. So if we try and sort of pull all of this together, um, is there any good evidence of who should be given vitamin D supplementation, whether that's with or without calcium? Yes, I think... Um, uh, because osteomalacia is uh, a real and can be a, you know, an unpleasant disease because it's associated with bone fractures, um, individuals at high risk of that condition, um, I think it's very reasonable to give them vitamin D supplements in order to, you know, to keep the vitamin D levels above those which are, you know, which are likely to cause osteomalacia. And those, because we can, we know how we make vitamin D, those are individuals are those who are sunlight deprived, particularly housebound or institutionalized older people. They uh, don't get out at all. 
um, and in some cultural and, and indeed some medical contexts where individuals are avoiding the sun, avidly avoiding the sun. And for the rest of the population, um, I think uh, one would have to say that the evidence does not support um, you know, routine or, or, or even intermittent supplementation. I didn't say that, I didn't say that earlier that um, in some of the trials uh, looking at musculoskeletal outcomes, higher-dose higher bolus vitamin D dosing is actually associated with harms, more fractures and more falls, and there are three or four trials which um, suggest that. So it's not, there may be some dangers from uh, over-enthusiastic um, vitamin D supplementation, something that people should be on. Is there any good evidence of an absence of an effect, any high-quality uh um, studies that have shown that, that it just doesn't work? Oh, I think, yes, absolutely. For musculoskeletal endpoints, um, if you collect, collect the data uh, from, you know, from the big randomized trial, from randomized trials, um, it's uh, apparent that vitamin D supplements um, don't reduce fracture risk in community-dwelling adults and don't uh, reduce falls. Those are the two musculoskeletal endpoints that have been uh, most studied. Um, and then with the non-musculoskeletal endpoints, um, there is this body of evidence from randomized trials uh, in large numbers of participants where those endpoints like cancer and heart disease um, have been collected as secondary outcomes in the main um, as part of those trials. Is there any evidence of harm from vitamin D supplementation? Um, yes, there is. Um, it comes from clinical trials um, which have given either high dose or, and or bolus dosing um, uh, of vitamin D with musculoskeletal endpoints um, and uh, suggesting that in that situation, there's an increase in the risk of fractures and falls, um, and it's uh, been observed in three or four studies. So um, I guess it's a bit like many things, um, if you take too much of it, um, there are potential downsides. And I think that's an underappreciated uh, body of evidence, and I think should give us pause when we think about um, recommendations to supplement individuals. Okay. And then um, lastly, in the UK, we uh, have recommendations um, that during the winter months, when there's a lack of sunlight, people are generally more covered up, um, that the whole population should um, receive a vitamin D supplementation. Um, now, Given all that you've uh, looked at for this, do you see any evidence that that would be a, a, a worthwhile public health intervention? Um, I, I think it's unlikely, well, worthwhile. It will, low-dose vitamin D supplementation will prevent the, the clear and known musculoskeletal outcome, which is osteomalacia. But... Um, it would mean supplementing a very large number of people in the population who were never going to get that condition um, for the benefit of a few. And I, I think 
because one can identify individuals at high risk of osteomalacia based on their clinical situation, if you like, um, being sunlight deprived, a much more um, uh, user-friendly, if you like, uh, strategy is to supplement those individuals, and that could be done on a routine basis without having to expose the rest of the population to taking a treatment which uh, for them would be um, unnecessary. Um, well, Andrew, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. You've been listening to Andrew Gray talk about the evidence for vitamin D supplementation. That article, Should Adults Take Vitamin D Supplements to Prevent Disease, is now available on thebmj.com. If you've enjoyed this, all of our back catalogue, hundreds of podcasts, is all freely available on SoundCloud, so check that out. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. Thanks for listening.